Speaking of recommending things, you recommended the movie Lords of Chaos. Yes, I did. Which is a a biographical, semi-biographical film about the history of the Norwegian, the true Norwegian black metal <laughs> band Mayhem, Mayhem in the 80s and 90s. So, yes, let's uh, get into that. Yeah, let's let's, let's, let's go from okay. Barbie to Oppenheimer. And uh, yeah, let's get real dark here. Yeah. So, I mean, like, uh, you know, <laughs> I, you asked earlier why the hell would I suggest this movie for this discussion? One reason is that because, you know, we are in the first month of what many would consider, you know, the beginning of seasonal depression. So we got to choose something that is, uh, you know, on the more morbid and morose side. And of course, this film meets that criteria. Um, I am a fan of the band Mayhem. So I, uh, you know, was listening to them for a number of years. Um, of course, like I, they, the reputation, you know, was <laughs> bigger than the band when I heard of them to begin with. I remember like working at a, an HMV. HMVs, was that a thing in the States? It's like a record store called HMV. It was like a big thing in, in the UK. Mm. And then I think Canada had them as Maybe well. Maybe like in New England or something. I honestly have never. Okay. But then again, like if you really want good record stores, you have to go to the Northern US. Like the South is not the place Unless you're in like a really like cultural hotspot like Atlanta or something, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even say it's like a good record store. Like it's just kind of a generic. Like it was like a generic place to buy CDs and stuff. You know, like uh, like maybe like a Sam Goody in the states or like a like a Fye or something. I think this like is that. also an age difference thing where like physical you don't know anything physical I'm media stores are dying <laughs> out as I was growing up. So like my only reference now is like right. Best Buy and Movie Trading Company. Amazon. Right. So what you're saying is that it was um, not like the record store in the movie or in real life. No. What was it called? Velta? Yeah. Hel- Hel- Helveta. Helveta. Yeah. Which yeah. is Norwegian for hell, as they point out. Yes. Which is funny because it's longer than right. hell. They could have just used the word hell. Oh, that's... But, um, <laughs> no, HMV was a big chain of like, you know, just they... they Sometimes you can find some deep cuts in there, depending on like the size of the HMV. But it was just a generic kind of like CD store. Anywho, they had one in Toronto. People that are in Toronto might remember it. It has since been replaced by, you guessed it, a Tokyo Smoke weed dispensary. But I used to work. I, I, funny enough, I used to work at that exact same HMV before. This was many many years ago, and I worked in the metal department. And that's where I learned about Mayhem. And my manager at the time was like, have you heard about Mayhem? And I'm like, no. And then basically gave me like, you know, the Cliff's notes on like the literal mayhem that, you know, happened with that band. And I was like, holy fuck. Like I've, you know, people talk about like rock and roll stories, you know, like, oh man, like you hear about Nirvana, this guy, Kurt Cobain, like killed himself. And you're like, oh my God, that's shocking. And the whole band broke up and it was a big The whole band broke up. Yeah. It was a big moment or like, you heard about this guy, Gigi Allen, this guy's, he was a fucking psychopath, just throwing his shit at the audience members. But nothing was like hearing this story about mayhem. I was like, okay, this is like, this is a whole new level of like crazy, you know, rock and roll band story. So I started listening to the music and stuff and I was like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's, 
I, I mean, I'm very intrigued to hear your thoughts on Mayhem's music because I, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's not necessarily your genre of choice to go to, black metal music. <laughs> well, I think a lot of my exposure to metal music comes from the post-hardcore side of things or like the metal core, like the, the more modern mm-hmm. sort of iterations of like what is considered the heaviest music around, you know? Right. So when it comes, when, when they were playing music from Mayhem in this movie, I was like, this isn't that bad. This doesn't seem like that heavy. But again, it is the 80s. So mm-hmm. there is a bit of a cap for how heavy music got just based on how it developed. Yeah. And then the vocals come in and I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. But this is, oh, no, you, okay. So correct me if I'm wrong. You've done a black metal album before, right? Yes. Like with Demon Christ, there's like elements of all sorts of different metal and punk music and um, black metal. Definitely, I would say on the the last uh, EP, the Serpent's Tongue one is, and even the one before that, um, God, I'm forgetting the name of my own album. Wow. <laughs> Whatever the fucking EP was before that. Those ones are both a little bit more, the Serpent's Tongue definitely more so black metal. But um, yeah, I mean, it's like their sound, I think a lot of people find it a little more difficult to get into than some of the other like metal subgenres. And I think a lot of it does come down to the vocals and a lot of like black metal happens to be like very screechy and like, you know, definitely lyrically you can't hear, you can't make out anything really. But by design. By design, for sure. And like the the guitar tones are definitely like very sinister and like the the kind of chord progressions are in a lot of black music I think is quite similar. Like there's a lot of these just sort of darker like chord arrangements. But I don't know. I if there for me, when I, I listen to music like I listen to all types of music, but like I feel like they're it's very much like a time and place for a lot of stuff and I, I find that in the wintry months, I definitely like gravitate more towards like metal music and more sinister stuff. And you know, I, I'm not like sacrificing babies to Satan or anything like that. But uh, it, it is like kind of cathartic or whatever to listen to this kind of like sinister music every now and again. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, listen to Mayhem for a long time, and I found out that this movie was being made, and it it got it was like weird because they made the movie, but then they were looking for like I think a distributor or something, and it kind of got shelved because it came out in like. 20 i think it was done filming in 2017 but it didn't come out till like 2019 or something like that yeah i think it was like maybe uh, festivals in like late 2018 yeah yeah i think that was it because this guy that made it his name's jonas ockerland he um made another movie like at the same time and they like that was like a netflix movie called polar with mads mickelson and that one i think got all the like the spotlight and then because of like the delay in uh, releasing Lords of Chaos, they ended up kind of both coming out at the same time. So they're, they're kind of mistaken as as being like some sort of double release that uh, Jonas Ackerlund had put out like simultaneously right. when really it's not the case. But I was like, holy shit, like, you know, like they're making a movie about mayhem. I'm like, this is fantastic. Like this is like this is the best. Well, it's 20th Century Fox, which is already sort of just like, wow, OK. A giant studio is giving money to this, like, very (laughs) fucked up and, like, almost, like, what, like, not grindhouse, but, like, exploitative style Mm -hmm. of filmmaking. Yeah, for sure. Have you seen any of Jonas Ockerlund's other movies? No. He did a movie called Spun. I think that might be his most known one. It had uh, Jason Schwartzman, music by Billy Corgan. 
Lo- loads of like celebrities. Mickey Rourke was in that. Like Mina Savari, John Leguizamo. I've never heard of this movie. No. Uh, it's pretty good. It's about crystal meth addicts. Um, it's kind of like a almost like a Harmony Korin movie. That's like got the editing style of like a music video editor, which is where Jonas Ackerlund kind of comes from. Right. I mean, he he's got an interesting background too, because he actually was the drummer for a Swedish black metal band called Bathory that was uh, active in the eighties and nineties and to this day. But he's not currently playing with them. Right. I I read that he like only lasted a little bit doing that, and then switched to filmmaking yeah. when it got to like you know church bernie park stabby <laughs> yes yes all the all the negative things that this film covers but this film is also based on a book called lords of chaos and i've read the book and it's a it's an interesting read i would recommend anyone read it if they uh, want to learn a little bit more about black metal and satanism and stuff like that but it's interesting the adaptation because the book, The Lords of Chaos, is not specifically about mayhem. It's about like a lot of different black metal bands that came out, not even specifically in Norway. Just so happens a lot of Scandinavian countries were the were kind of coming up with this sound. Which makes it even sillier when one of the characters, I think it's dead, says in the movie, we're the Lords of Chaos. It's like they didn't <laughs> yeah, call exactly. themselves that. that. Even they I, never I did. don't know anything about this. Even <laughs> I know that doesn't seem right. No. In fact, the Lords of Chaos that the the book is named after is in reference to a completely different group of kids that were in Florida in the, I want to say, early to mid-90s that were into black metal and they uh, were, I I guess they had a band, but nothing really came of that. They were just general, like, you know, shit disturbers at their high school and they would, like, you know, throw fucking like eggs at the fucking walls and stuff and like break windows and shit like well, that. I just don't get why day... you wouldn't just then call the movie mayhem. Like it's not it's that right far there. removed and it basically says the same yeah. thing. Like, yeah, these guys <laughs> it's burn right down there. churches. It... Like they cause mayhem. It's mayhem. There you go. Yeah. It's, it, <laughs> it was right there. And, and no, and for some reason, because it's loosely based off of a section of that book that had to do with mayhem, they called it Lords of chaos. And yeah, it, it that group was, the Lords of Chaos was a group of teens in Florida that ended up like vandalizing their fucking um, football field or something at their high school. And then the gym teacher gave them shit about it. So then they drove to the gym teacher's house later that night and blew his head off with a shotgun. Holy shit. It's <laughs> yeah. not where I expected that sentence to go. Oh my God. <laughs> and that, that, that was, they called themselves the Lords of Chaos. It has nothing to do with mayhem. Oh but they called this. Movie I mean, it's that not that dumb. far removed. <laughs> there, there is a a shotgun that blasts someone's head off in this movie. It's just a suicide yes. instead of a murder. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there is some very gratuitous violence in this, which normally I feel like I'm pretty desensitized to violence, but I feel like mm. maybe that has to do with the amount of time it's on screen. You know, because like most right. deaths in movies, like especially with the PG thirteen of r-rated movies that is you know become prevalent mm-hmm. in modern movie making normally like you would build up to a moment of of like gore and then you just like cut away from it or like you cut to the reaction mm-hmm. of it. you don't really show it because i mean I, some people love gore but i i'm like if it serves the story fine but like don't linger on it you know like that's why i never really watched the saw movies because i'm always like yeah. Wait, what? I'm more interested in the ethical reasoning for why they're in the traps as opposed to what happens when you try to do the trap, you know? Like, I don't need to see a guy chop his arm off. I just, I'm like, okay, well, he was a bad person. So, this is an interesting justification. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, this movie really lingers on the gore moments, and there are three key moments. There's the suicide mm. of their first singer, who before mm-hmm. he killed himself was named was nicknamed Dead. So I yeah. mean, I guess it was very fitting, prophetic, name. but it yeah. really lingers on it. Like he, it, they show you. Like most movies, when they show you like someone cutting open their veins or something, they don't really show it. They show flashes. But in this one, it's like, no, yeah. we're going to show literally every frame of it. And it's in bright light, so you can't look away from it. And it's not hidden yeah. or, or obscured or anything. And he goes down the street. So he know, he's trying to kill himself and and then does it on both arms. He does it on his throat. And somehow he still has enough consciousness to go over and blow his head off with a shotgun. And... <laughs> they never try to cut the pacing of the scene. It like happens in real time. They really want you to mm-hmm. know what that moment in time was like. And apparently that's the most accurate part of the film is everything to do with that that guy dead. Mm-hmm. Like the way that he was portrayed and yeah. like even the director said they cast the actor in the role because he had the exact same walk as the guy <laughs> in real life. So, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> just didn't expect it to go. Like, I'm like, okay, this guy's going to kill himself, but they're not going to show. No, they fucking yeah. show all they of it. Like, it, it they show too with much. CGI brain matter falling out of the mm. hole in the guy's head. Which, okay, so I think you did preface pitching this movie to me with, like, saying that this band is infamous for having an album cover where the lead, suicide, like the lead singer blew his head off, and then they took a picture mm-hmm. of that and used it as their album cover. And then they show that in the movie, instead of calling the cops... <laughs> Uh, the main character, Euronymous, yeah. goes down to the gas station, grabs a, like, Polaroid camera, or, or like, a disposable mm-hmm. camera. Disposable, yeah. takes yeah. a few, like, film pictures of it. Like, even, like, does... It becomes, like, Nightcrawler, the Jake Gyllenhaal movie, for a few seconds, where he's, like, <laughs> yeah. posing the gun and the knife, like, right next to the guy's head yeah. to all be in the same shot. It's like, rearranging the all the cover. stuff. And it's like, oh, my yeah. God. Like, that's the least <laughs> shocking part of the scene. That's <laughs> when he takes a picture. Because I remember hearing that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, well, now this part has to happen. But you're just like, like, I feel like the severity of the, and maybe that's the point of it, was that they were ignoring the true horrors of their actions in, in order to justify, like, the, oh, that's metal, you know, like, aspect mm-hmm. of it. So, yeah, I think you're you're absolutely right, because that's, that's the, with the movie, at least, you know, and, 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 like, the movie is kind of criticized for how authentic it is to the real events and stuff. But I think, you know, obviously, because it is a movie, it's it's trying to, you know, establish like a lead character in Euronymous. And it is this kind of constant like struggle for his character to come to terms with what he wants his image to be in terms of like how fucking metal he can possibly be versus like what he actually feels as a human being. And it's kind of constantly at odds with each other. Well, it's, it's I I think it's strange that he's like the the figurehead of this movement of like, Mm -hmm. you know, they always talk shit about like, oh, we'll we'll kill this guy or or we're gonna go burn down this church, mm-hmm. like to to keep the sort of motif of the black metal community going. But like, really, the worst that it got yeah. was like people doing drugs and you know, it, yeah, and like it, it, taking a bite out of a pig head at a concert. But yeah. then it, it's when this <laughs> other guy Varg comes along, Christian. Yes, Christian. <laughs> doesn't want you to call him Christian, wants you to call him Varg, comes along and sort of like takes it super seriously and like actually legitimizes these fantasies into the reality of mm-hmm. their like that. We, if we're going to talk like it, the whole it, there's a very big dynamic in this movie about like being a poser versus being authentic. Mm-hmm. 
And yeah. that leads to some very re- repetitive dialogue scenes where you'll see an argument yeah. between these, the Euronymous and Varg characters. And you're like, I feel like I've already seen this scene like four times now. <laughs> like, so I, I get it. Like, you, you, it's weird the stuff that they decided to focus on in this movie because there's so I feel like this is a topic where you can explore all these different avenues like the political part of it the the accuracy mm-hmm. or accuracy of you know the historical events but also just the details about the people mm-hmm. you're trying to portray and so it's it's weird that it focuses on weird stuff like that but even then it's like is that even the reality of it like did they really come to blows and you know i i feel like if you listen to this podcast you'll know that we're going to spoil every movie that we talk about so like but i mean it's a historical like right you know we're not really so spoiler for reality varg murders euronymous (laughs) over i think what was supposed to be like a misunderstanding about like oh uh euronymous was just joking that he was gonna take you out in the woods and kill you and make it a snuff film but then Mm -hmm. varg doesn't actually believe that he's too these guys get very paranoid because they live on like sort of the the weird like legal gray area of like lacking the burden of proof but still taking credit for crimes and not really mm. facing justice until an actual murder provable murder happens with like you know evidence and witnesses and uh yeah no i just yeah, I that. Think... it's weird that they focus on on aspects of like that but it's like like the mm. nazi part of it is just like a very tiny detail in this whole story like i saw some i read through like some of the log lines of the critics reviews of this movie and they were like mm-hmm. it seems like they were more focused on like shock than they were actually like fully exploring this movement and like their ideology and this moment of time in in Scandinavia and all that like that seems to be like background dressing like wallpaper to what's actually happening in the yeah. foreground and i feel like if you're going to sure. tackle this very specific like anarchist movement maybe f- like and someone even points out in the movie that, like, Varg's character has, like, a very broad belief system because it really just seems to be focused on, like, what can I use to justify causing the most chaos in society for... Mm-hmm. And again, it doesn't even, like, try to see, like, why are these guys violent other than, like, oh, well, they don't like how Christianity is taking over society. It's like they don't try to psychologically break these guys down or anything. It's just, like, here's what happened, kind of. Yeah, I guess we should yeah, have for pointed sure. out that this the movie prefaces itself with based on truth, <laughs> lies, and what actually happened. What actually. It's like, can you just do the last the first the first and the third? That'd be great. <laughs> if, if I could get an accurate recreation yeah. of this. If you're gonna spend all this money and time like there are some movies like The Favorite or Amadeus where like part of it is mm-hmm. that it's not exactly historically accurate, it's more entertaining than it is correct. And that can be that can yeah. work, but I feel like that with this one, it seems like you'd want to almost have a true crime documentary instead of a flashy music biopic. Which it, that's also an interesting aspect of this movie is that it doesn't really mm-hmm. like you expect it to sort of go a Bohemian Rhapsody direction with how the mm-hmm. music, like the songs that the band is known for, is tied into the events. But I think it is because the events of you know, the murders and the suicides Mm -hmm. sort of overshadowed the music in general with the band that the movie not focusing on it is sort of appropriate for the amount of like legacy that their studio Mm -hmm. recordings have over the grisly murders that they're known (laughs) for. So, yeah, yeah, they're definitely known for the, the, 
the murders and the crimes and the burnings, all that, 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 that supersedes any of their music for but sure. But that also makes me wonder, like, how much of this are you supposed to know about going into the movie? Like, I don't know any of this stuff. And so when I see <laughs> a, a, I don't want to say super realistic, but hyper realistic mm-hmm. suicide scene played out almost in real time, I'm like, you can tell this is not an American movie because they did not have a disclaimer up front that says, <laughs> you know, that the following contains realistic depictions of like suicide. If you need to, mm-hmm. if you're feeling suicidal contact, blah, 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 you know? Yeah. No, they just, no, they, there's don't, no... they don't try to preface any of that. They're just like, this no. is the movie. And again, yeah. it's 20th Which Century is... Fox and Vice of all, like, okay, Vice, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Vice. But like, yeah, that makes tw- sense. The fact that Disney now owns this movie yeah. <laughs> is, uh, yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I, I think like it, it's true. Like I, for people that don't know about the band, like going into it, I think that, but I mean that I'm sure, you know, went through Jonas Ackerland's mind is like, this will be even fucking better for people that don't know. Cause this is going to be intense. But like you said, it, it is a, a fairly accurate depiction of, you know, what apparently happened uh, with dead when he committed suicide and that it was like this, you know, like almost like a comedic series of like him trying to kill himself and it kind of not working with like, you know, slitting one vein, bleeding out, like, what the hell? I'm not dead yet. Try the other vein. Okay. I'm still not dead. Yeah. It's also like, I'm still here. There's like a whole, that's like a whole plot thing, right? Is that he talks about wanting to Mm -hmm. kill himself and then Euronymous just like offers him a shotgun and is like, mm-hmm. do it then. But then they, they go outside, yeah. and then there's a whole scene where the guy dead makes Euronymous point the shotgun mm-hmm. at his head and is like, keeps saying, like, pull the trigger. And it's like a whole suspenseful Spielbergian thing of like, oh, am mm-hmm. I, is he going to pull it? No, he doesn't pull it. But then, like, the next yeah. scene after the concert is the guy killing himself. And then at the concert, he's, like, slitting his arms open on stage, which I missed because of the lighting yeah. and, you know, the, all the cuts <laughs> in the scene. I, I, I completely yeah. missed that part. It cuts to them at the bodega later, and he's got the duct tape on his wounds. Yeah, uh, which I don't know if a hospital would have done, but I was just like, no. I, apparently, that's that's fairly accurate as well. That you know, like I mean, it the movie shortens the the whole span of everything. Right. Like it wasn't like they played like one gig and then he immediately killed himself. Like they did play a number. They of They said shows it was like a year like in reality between that show and yeah. suicide. So yeah, exactly. Like they did it. You know, there's another book called The Death Archives that's written by uh, Necro Butcher. And um, that one is generally considered to be a more like accurate rep- representation of things that happened. Although Necro Butcher, despite the name, is a pretty down to earth guy. And he doesn't like he didn't want to talk about uh, much of the suicide murder stuff because uh, he's not he does not really interested in that being the legacy of the band. Is he in this but, movie? Is he like portrayed yeah, he's in this the, movie? He's the bass player, yeah. So he is he um, the Scars Guard? No, uh the Scars Guard is the guy that plays Faust, who is um who stabs right, the, okay. the guy in the park, who was not in Mayhem. He was in a different black metal band called Emperor that also But he was just in the scene. Like he was in their like social Yeah, he group. was in the black circle and stuff. Oh, yeah. the black circle, right. Yeah, which is interesting because the black circle would have had a lot of the members of these like Norwegian black metal bands and Emperor was like uh, one of the big ones that came up with Mayhem. So Foss, the guy who killed the guy in the park, he was the drummer for that band. But that band also had a guy called Mortis that played bass in the band who would have also been part of the Black Circle who I actually interviewed in person 
like four or five years ago when they came to Toronto to play a show. And I shit you not, Greg, this interview is on YouTube. You can look it up. I did it for a website called fearforever.com. And the first thing, because like Lords of Chaos had just come out a little bit before this interview, I like the first question was like, have you seen Lords of Chaos? Like how accurate do you think it is? And like, can you talk about that? And his response to me was, you obviously didn't read like my Facebook notice that said, if anyone asks me about fucking Lords of Chaos, I'm going to tell them to shut the fuck up. <laughs> this is the very first question that I asked this guy on a video like interview. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be awful. Yeah, this movie was not highly endorsed by almost anyone that was actually involved in the true Norwegian black metal scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that the movie portrays. So that doesn't surprise me that he's one of <laughs> a number of people that want to distance themselves from it. it. It didn't seem like it was embraced at all by anyone that was uh, actually there. Part of the scene, yeah, I yeah, know. But thankfully, that interview that I did with him did turn out being pretty good. Things We, we, we managed to shift gears and get back on track. But yeah, the... Um guy that played necrobutcher yeah he was like he's not overly featured like he was pissed off after like euronymous was sharing the uh the fragments of bones skull a skull bone i guess yeah that was supposed to be the skull of the guy that killed himself but later he reveals that it was just from a chicken chicken Yeah. yeah but that's one of those things where it's like i i did enjoy the movie having some fun with like some of the you know the kind of more like urban legendy like aspects of the story because like one of the big rumors that has been floating around I mean ever since you know I guess this happened was that Euronymous you know after um, rearranging the items and taking the the photos of Dead's dead body then you know went on to like eat some of his brains and then made these like skull pendants for the breast oh of the band, yeah they, uh, they members to wear do kind of talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I like that they kept teasing that because it was like, especially the brain-eating thing where it was like, you know, like watching the movie for the first time. I saw this in theaters, actually. Like when I saw it for the first time, I was like, oh, my God, like, is he going to eat the brain? And then, you know, they don't show anything. And then then there's like a scene where Euronymous is like, oh, you know, like you should you should say that I ate ate his brains or something. That'd make for a really good story. And then... They, they have those flashbacks where it's like he's touching the brains. Like, is he going to eat the brain? Like, what's going to happen here? And so I did enjoy like the kind of the, the comedy of like stringing the audience along if they were familiar with that, that kind of um, that urban legend aspect of the story. So is it sort of similar to that movie, The Disaster Artist, where like people know anecdotes from the thing and then they just portray it on screen, whether it's accurate or not? You know? Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think that like things, you know. Yeah, I think that this this movie is like it is kind of like the cinematic version of the of the Cliff Note story of of Mayhem where it's just like you know, like kind of like what that dude told me many many years ago at the HMV where it was just like this is the most fucked up band of all time like they got the singer, he was like super fucked up, like had dead animals all over, just like surrounded himself with death, killed himself in this brutal way, then the guitar player like got killed by their bass player. And it's just, you know, it's just this, like, all the major points of, like, getting someone to be like, what? Are you fucking serious? This really happened? Like, that's what this movie is, I think. It's just, like, a, you know, sensationalized version of of all the the key points. And, you know, like, like all the major stuff, like, it had, like, Varg did think that Euronymous was trying to kill him and make a snuff movie. 
who's obviously like you know pretty paranoid guy and he but really did stab knife. the shit out of I mean, Hieronymus. Like, can we talk know, about stairwell. that? He deliberately picks a <laughs> knife to kill him. But he, he picks the <laughs> smallest knife possible. Like, that's why it took, like, what was what did they end up saying? It was like 23 stab wounds or something? It's like, yeah. It wasn't maybe four, like Caesar numbers, but it was a lot. I think it's, it's like, like well, yeah, you had to stab him a bunch of times because you're basically, mm. like, trying to stab him with a toothpick, essentially. Like, he's not going to bleed out from one or two uh, wounds. <laughs> These tiny little pricks. And, uh, yeah. So. <laughs> it's true. And, and they, it, I mean, there's an interview with Varg somewhere on the internet. And this is, like, when he was in prison. He's out now. And he was talking about, like. That shows the difference between, of... uh, like, the fact that you can only serve. Uh, you can only get a 21-year <laughs> sentence for a murder that there is, like, full evidence that you did. And you even confess to it. Yeah. And then... Yeah. It's like premeditated. Only serve 16 yeah. years and you're out Premeditated murder. Like, that, the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> in America, yeah. you'd be on death row, like, and Werner Herzog's making a documentary about you in your last days of yeah. life. <laughs> totally. Like, that Faust guy was in jail for nine years. They let him out after that. The guy who killed the other guy in the park. And he's he went right back into drumming and... uh you know, that created a lot of... Wow, they they completely skip over that in the movie. They give me the impression that he just never got caught or went to prison for it, <laughs> yeah. even though he admitted that he did it. They uh, they do have a scene, like, towards the end where the cops are knocking on his family's house's door. Oh, yeah. See, my brain made me think that was him getting busted for driving yeah. Varg to the murder scene of Euronymous, but that's a different guy, right? That they all look the same. They all have the same haircut. Di- that's a different and they're all guy. pasty yeah, yeah, white. Yeah. It's hard to tell them apart. They look the same. They all have long hair. Yeah. They're all wearing the same clothes. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, it's 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 controversial now because like yeah, he did like rejoin that band Emperor and they played some shows and certain black metal fans were like, you know, this is the original fucking drummer. We we love this. And then other people were like, I don't know, guys. Like. This guy did like brutally murder like an innocent person. <laughs> like I don't know how I feel about you know necessarily supporting the band, knowing that money is going to like a murderer. And I mean, I it's it's shocking to me too that you know I mean Burzum is still like a thing, and and that's that's Varg's band, and and like that's been going strong for a long time. I I am not joking when I say I've never ever ever heard a Burzum song you don't want to financially support a murderer because I don't want to at all I yeah I don't want to support someone like Varg but he you know it's weird because like it's I guess it's one of those things where you distance yourself enough from you know a a morbid thing and it becomes just completely not real because like Varg has become kind of an internet meme there's all these like you know when like Notre Dame burned down, everyone's like, <laughs> wow. "Oh man, it's funny." Varg just God got out of prison damn. now. <laughs> uh, I'm glad I figured out about that meme after I saw this movie because that would not have meant anything to me. That's great. Wow. I mean, it's horrible what he did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like you know e- even I can see the comedy in that, but it's like you know it's like well yeah okay, but this is still like. It's still a guy. Like he was yeah. releasing Burzum records from because jail. Because this is the Scandinavia time. we're talking about. And it's a much nicer were, situation like in prison than uh, America. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jail is nice in 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 Norway. Like the the cell, if you can even call it a cell that that, that Varg was living in, 
was it's basically like a hotel room. It's basically right? a hotel room, yeah. It's like yeah. nicer than and some you of have my friends' like apartments. Proper meals and like you I don't, I'm pretty sure you don't have to shit in the same space as your bed. I could be wrong. No, I think you have like a private washroom. You have you have uh, a computer with access to internet. So it's uh it's totally different. So if you want to get away with murder and you're Norwegian, yeah. Yeah, go to Norway. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, and then another thing that uh, they didn't they didn't touch on in the movie is that after Varg went to jail, he got broken out of jail by his mom several years after that. <laughs> and then they the one who was funding his recordings. Wow. Yeah, his funding the the recording sessions. Yeah, and uh, then he that's got a whole movie in of itself. I want to see that. <laughs> this, that. this is part of what I wanted to bring up. This should have been a documentary. Yeah, well, I mean, there are documentaries like out there about this band. There, there's a pretty decent one. On, I think it's just on YouTube. It's called Pure Fucking Mayhem. And yeah, that one, it has, I'm pretty sure it has like some of that footage I was talking about with right. Varg like doing interviews from jail. And uh, but yeah, it's like it's all very um, like what he says about it is very similar to how the events play out in the Lords of Chaos movie because he was like, yeah, so it's like they're just taking it at face value. It's like. Oh, I'm so glad that we're trusting the, uh, you know, the testimony yeah. of a murderer. Yeah, of a complete psychopath. And it's like, if you watch that interview, like, you can tell that the guy's like, he's like, well, you know, so I came into Euronymous's house and, you know, he looked very nervous and like very scared, which made me think for sure he was going to kill me. And then, you know, I pulled out my knife and he started running away, which I found very strange. And then, you know, I knew that when he was running away, he was going to get the shotgun that dead used to kill himself yeah. to kill me. And it's just like, wh- how are you putting these, how are you stringing these pieces together? It doesn't make any sense. Like you, you pull out a knife and try and kill someone. Yeah. They're going to fucking try and run away, run away from you. That's a normal response. Yeah. So while we're on the topic of accuracy and Varg in specific, I want to take this moment to talk about his comments on the film because he inexplicably felt the need mm. to, uh, <laughs> to defend himself from his portrayal in the film the murderer has a hot take Mm -hmm. so i guess we're gonna (laughs) yeah i don't want people to get i don't want people to have the wrong impression of me yeah if you're gonna show how i murdered a guy get it right you know that's like the robert durst thing with the jinx where that guy made a movie about robert durst before robert durst contacted him and said i want to tell my actual side of the story right with regards to the movie lords Mm -hmm. of chaos he claims that he never had a vest with band patches, which is how we first see him in the film when he still goes by Christian. Uh, and he sh- he's like runs mm-hmm. into them at a restaurant after their right. show where dead cuts his wrists and they eat the pig head and all that. Mm-hmm. And he like compliments them, but they don't really pay attention to him. Yeah. I don't know what the deal with scorpions is. That's like scorpions is like just more of like a sort of mainstream like metal act. So it was kind of like a, so if you say you're into them, then like you're considered a poser, basically. Yeah, I guess it wasn't hardcore enough for you know, for right. for that that crew. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's like a point of contention in the movie is that he likes this, the band Scorpions when he first tries to introduce himself to the the members of Mayhem, mm-hmm. and they kind of like make fun of him for it. And then at some point he drinks chocolate milk, and he felt the need to dispute the <laughs> fact that he never drank chocolate milk. Yeah. Like, exactly. Okay. All right. That'll change everything <laughs> like, about the way people see you. <laughs> well, it's like also like Euronymous was a, is portrayed in the movie as a cigarette smoker. And mm-hmm. then they're like, yeah, he never really smoked. Yeah. 
It's just, uh, we need this guy to look like a cool metal rocker. So yeah. what's, a, oh, smoke cigarettes. Obviously, yeah. they all did that. And they want Varg to look more like a clown. And then there's a scene where he punches a guy at a bar. Apparently that never happened. It's like, okay, why are you trying to downplay a bar fight when you are a alleged, not alleged, a convicted, convicted and confessed murderer? It's true. It doesn't make any sense. And he's like, oh, I never joked about putting all the death metal bands, which is different than black metal, in a gas chamber. The Nazi claims he never said that. Okay. And then uh, that he never had degenerate sex, which the movie does have a, a lot of flash mm-hmm. scenes of him having sex. And I'm just like, why would, why is that the thing you're trying to dispute? Like, oh, let's not get it twisted, guys. I didn't fuck that much. <laughs> like, okay. okay. Why would you not take credit? Yeah. Like, people say that you fucked a lot. Why can't you just be like, yeah, I did. Yeah, ex- Even if it's not true, like that. Okay. Ugh. And then it says he was never a vegan. And it's like, again, yeah. nope. You murdered a guy. Yeah. No one's concerned about that <laughs> other than you. And he's and, and one other thing that uh, I, I put in the notes is that he was quoted as calling the film made up crap mm. and objected to being portrayed by a Jewish actor. Of course. Go figure. Go figure. The guy who was a Nazi. was. <laughs> and then he called he objected to certain plot elements and called the depiction, quote unquote, character murder. It's like, hmm, that's interesting. Uh, how different is that from actual the actual murder. murder that you committed? I think that's, oh, it must be bad. They murdered my character and how I'm, perce- it's like, you're a murderer. You're an actual human yeah. murderer. Who cares? You uh, Any control you have over how you're perceived by the public goes out the window the second that you stab a guy, you know, 40, go to prison for murder. Times. Yeah. And confess to it. It's not like he was wrongly accused or anything. Like, yeah. no, he did it. They made a movie about how he yeah. did it. So it's like, I would think if I murdered a guy, that would, I would try to distance myself from that. Not, oh, I never drank chocolate milk, for the record. Get it right, guys. Please. My, so my character it's, is it's, being murdered. This chocolate milk yeah. stuff. And I think after a certain point, I just started calling him the murderer instead of Varg in my notes. <laughs> the murderer. Even though that's much longer than Varg. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's it sticks out more in the brain yeah. so this movie has an interesting i kind of want to talk about the technical production of this mm-hmm. film because it definitely stands out when you see something is produced by vice and 20th century fox you don't expect the end product to literally be like someone cut together a vice documentary mm-hmm. and a movie produced by 20th century fox <laughs> because this movie i think they said they planned it for like 10 years but then they only shot it in like less than three weeks Mm. like eight like the same amount of days they shot whiplash like 18 days yeah so it makes me wonder how expensive this movie was because they do burn down like scale models of churches Mm -hmm. but still big enough to then put humans in the frame and do like forced perspective but it's also like how much of that was if if it's real fire it looks great Mm. if it's cgi fire it looks great i think it's a real fire the gore, not so much. Yeah. The gore is like a mix between like prosthetics and CGI. The prosthetics, I mean, you can you can never beat the look of something that's real, yeah. even if it doesn't look the best. Yeah. And then the CGI is hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the CGI is pretty decent in this for what it is. Like, I mean, like the scene where Dead shoots himself in the head. I th- I thought like that was. See the actual like moment of it. I'm like, wow, that looks super yeah, realistic, was, especially yeah. with the splattering of all the chunks and and stuff and then later when they cut back to it and he's doing the posing of the album cover he moves his head a bit to be closer to the bed and i'm like that doesn't look so great that's they could have not included that scene because yeah you're right that one 
You're like, ah, but that's what makes me wonder how much did this movie cost. I cannot find the budget online <laughs> it's anywhere. Nowhere online. I don't know. I mean, it's I, I I can't imagine it cost any more than like ten million dollars. Honestly, it probably with not. like the scale yeah. of like they reused a lot of the same sets for a lot of the scenes just because that's where they took place. And and really, like the most expensive stuff in it has got to be like probably staging the concert mm-hmm. and the CGI and the the church burnings. Which this is a weird piece of trivia I found is that some of the wood that they used to construct those like scale model churches that they burnt mm. down were from the Blade Runner twenty forty nine production, oh, really? which was basically shooting like right next door at the same time. <laughs> which again makes sense why it was like completed in twenty seventeen because it's when Blade Runner two came That's out. That's so, so funny. I did not know that. But yeah, what's also weird is that it's like it looks like Money Plane. It looks like a low budget, <laughs> like straight to Redbox movie. It does, yeah. And the only reason I can think of is like they're like, okay, well, you're making a motion picture. We're 20th Century Fox. You're going to shoot with an Alexa, an Ari Alexa, which is mm-hmm. like you know top of the line movie camera in terms of digital cinema, or at least it was like five years mm-hmm. ago, or even ten years ago. Like I feel like everything was shooting with an Alexa back then. And, like, red isn't really used as much anymore. Like, black magic is sort of, like, mm-hmm. more budget-friendly version of both of those. But, like, the thing about shooting with a nice camera like an Alexa is you really need to plan it out beforehand. You need to do more camera tests than you do, like, anything else if you want it to look good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not it's not a toy. It's a movie camera. So you need to, like, have... There's these things called LUTs. L-U-T's, it stands for lookup table. And it's basically a, like, sort of a template of a color palette that you use in your editing software to color grade a specific scene. And the nicer the camera, the nicer the LUT has to be just to keep up with all the extra pixels and colors and information in the picture. And this movie is very inconsistent with that. Mm-hmm. There are, like, some scenes that look great, especially when they're outdoors in the sun, mm-hmm. like, which doesn't happen very often, keep in mind. But the few times it does, you're like, this looks excellent. It's like, oh, right, because they're shooting with an Alexa. And there are some environments where you can just point a camera and do a minimal color grading, and it looks fantastic. But then there are other scenes indoors where, like, randomly all the blacks are just, like, blue. Mm-hmm. And it looks like when a YouTuber gets a red <laughs> camera, and then they first start experimenting with that cinematography. But it's like, this is a movie? Mm-hmm. This is a feature film? I get it's the director's first movie, or at least... He's got... Well, no, he's he's got a he's got a number of other movies that came out before this. So yeah, okay, so I'm wrong. And he he was a music video director before that too. So he's an experienced guy. Like, okay, so that's not his first movie. Why does it look like this? Yeah, then? I don't. Was it the cinematographer? It could, it could like, be the cinematographer. I, I mean, is it the editor? Like I, whoever was in charge of the color grading? It's yeah, just, I don't know. Like, I think a big part of directing movies mm-hmm. is also the correct use of lenses. Sure. Yeah. And if you know exactly what lens to use in what moment or environment, it can look fantastic, mm-hmm. regardless of the color grading. Like, just the composition itself is its own thing you have to think about. And it, maybe it is because they shot this in 18 days, so it was just get standard coverage, don't worry about making stuff look too artistic. Like, like, like we have a truncated shooting schedule and not a lot of money. Like, get the shots. Don't worry about if it looks worse than a Hallmark movie <laughs> or... If it looks like fucking money plane, where we're telling the story about these black metal guys, that's what everyone's going to be focusing on. But, like, as a filmmaker, I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, really? (laughs) This is the final movie? It looks like this? Like, you spent all this money and all this time to tell this story, and it it just looks so amateurish. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's... 
I, I don't even really know how you can justify it other than just <laughs> incompetence. So well, I, don't... I think there is another side to it that that may or may not be intentional. It'd be cool if it was because I, I kind of like even when I saw it for the first time, like, you know, I I, I kind of equated it's it's kind of low, like it's amateur ish uh, ness um, to this is that, you know, like, I mean, mayhem is a band like, you know, even like like Varg he's got that scene where it's like, you know, he's he's recording his Burzum record or whatever. And he's like, I just want one microphone in the middle of the, the room. And he's like, it's going to sound like shit. And he's like, that's the point. So I almost felt like it was like a bit of a it could be an intentional thing where it's like we're going to make this movie kind of match like what this these black metal bands kind of went for. It was just like, you know, like we've got this vision, but we're going to kind of intentionally make it like shitty so that it will. Right. It's like it's more about the content than it is the like shine or the. Yeah. You know, and the there's so, and there's something touches. about that grit, right? Like it's like in the in black metal music, it's like. If you listen to like Death Crush, you know, it's like I think a lot of people would consider that album to be pretty like unlistenable because it's so lo fi. But Or like Metallica's first album. Sure, like stuff like that. And or like one of those albums like we had to record it in a day because we didn't have any more money. Yeah, exactly. To take longer. But like, yeah. you know, maybe even more so as like a like an intentional, like artistic choice where it's like we want to make this record sound like like shit because like the emotion that we, the emotional response we want from our our listeners, is to feel like shit. So it's like you know we're not going to make something look like really good because that that's going to make them feel good about it. It's like we'll make this movie and we'll right. make it look like garbage because yeah. everything here is fucking miserable. <laughs> well, even then, I feel like they're just like, if that's what you're going for, then why are they trying to make it look more professional? Like if yeah, I feel like there are ways that you could shoot this movie that would make it match that sort of quality better than the it's like this weird like compromised version of like it it, it feels like vice mm-hmm. meets 20th century fox yeah. <laughs> and the end product is something that looks like money plane you're right and, and that's that's the biggest question i think is like if it was intentional then why is it so inconsistent right um so i don't know and i, I mean maybe it came down to like you know it, it i mean i i would assume that the other movie that that came out a little later was probably being somewhat put into pre-production or something. So who knows if that maybe like took precedent because that one, like if you watch that movie, that looks a lot more crisp. Like if it's like a Netflix movie and stuff, it's got, you know, it feels well, a lot more. Prof- they're also very specific about how their movies yeah, look. Yeah. So it's, yeah. it's got that, that sheen to it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like I wasn't like, I wasn't overly bothered by the, uh, I guess like the the quality of the actual visual, you know, aspects of the movie because I think and I can't actually entirely dog on it. There are some stuff mm-hmm. there is some stuff in this movie that I thought looked really cool, like the anytime that Euronymous has like a dream sequence mm-hmm. or like the the hyper quick flashes of like imagery of like brutality and like like it's almost like a visual representation of like his inner demons like battling mm-hmm. with each other in his head. It's like it cuts to a lot of stuff like him and dead in the woods and like, you know, just like general demonic imagery and stuff. And it's like really impressive. Kind of reminds me of like Suspiria, mm-hmm. the the recent yeah, the remake, remake. Yeah. how that like has some of those like sort of quick cut montages. For sure. And I thought that the lighting, like the concert, I think is probably the best sequence, the best looking sequence mm-hmm. in the movie. Just like the lighting of it. And like, I think maybe they were able to get away with the look of it because it was so like 
not monochromatic, but like duochromatic. Mm-hmm. Like it's basically blue and black are like the two colors in that scene. Yeah. And so I guess if that's like how they designed it visually to look, it looks great. And I guess if you're going to make a movie about a band, you want the one scene where they play a concert to like, you want to just cinematically represent like the appeal of that from the fans and mm-hmm. like the people that were there, even if it's not accurate to how it looked like, I don't know. I think that it was like, they took a moment to be like, let's make like a bit of a spectacle. And then maybe it was like a Monty Python's meaning of life <laughs> moment where they spent all their money on making the concert <laughs> look cool. And then everything else, they just sort of like, they're like, yeah, it's just, they're like, ah, we'll figure it out. Like, <laughs> it's possible. To it. So it's possible. Maybe it was like they shot the concert first and then everything afterwards, just because it was so logistically sophisticated. They had to shoot that concert scene. They had to pay Rory Culkin. They had to pay yeah. uh, Sky Ferriera to show her boobs. And then they ran out of money. All the IATSE members that have to, you know, light the stage and reset everything every single time. So <laughs> all the extras that it's. Uh, another part I thought that was cool was the uh, like how they recreated that like videotape look like the night vision where it's mm-hmm. like like you're filming a concert. But then like the whites and blacks are sort of like blurry because of the like shitty exposure on VHS cameras, like cranking it all the way up. And then just like that sort of like blown out mm-hmm. show light mixed with subject look like it looked very authentically 80s, even though you could tell they just reshot it yeah. with the actors in the movie. So some of that stuff looked really cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely like a a, a mishmash of uh, <laughs> of good stuff and bad stuff. But I mean, I think yeah. that's the movie. That's why I gave this movie a six because I was like, this movie has some stuff working for it that I feel like six. if the other stuff was just handled better, I, it would have had a much better response from everyone, audiences, critics, the people involved. Yeah, but maybe not the last one. But like, I feel like I don't know. Like, do you think that? the Osage tribe would have embraced Killers of the Flower Moon as much as they did if it was a shitty movie made by, like, Uwe Boll instead of Martin Scorsese? <laughs> probably I probably, yeah, probably not. not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that... I, I think that the quality of the movie, like, in terms of, like, the metalheads and stuff like that is not, you know, it's not the point of contention it's, at all. They don't, like, care. They don't care. They don't give yeah, a shit. They don't care at all. It's just the, the accuracy and stuff like that and... I, you know, there's a lot of like, you know, it sucks. Like, I, I think I may have told you this before, but like, you know, I, I've seen Mayhem a couple times in, in concert and stuff. And it's one of those weird things where it's like, if you're into metal music, show up to concerts and like, you just have to kind of like, you have to kind of just share this space with like people that you know you fucking hate. Like these people that, you know, have opinions and like beliefs that are just so far removed from my own, you know? So it's like me at a ween concert? Maybe if there's like Nazis at ween concerts, but like... <laughs> yeah, not so much, but I get what you're saying. So it's uh, it's kind of weird because it's like the people that, you know, really hate this movie are people that are like basically Nazis. <laughs> They're like, oh man, this movie made Varg look like a complete like fucking loser. Like this is so clowny and cartoony, his portrayal. It's like, well, yeah, because it's made by people that think Varg is a piece of shit, which I am also in that that boat i you know like yeah, yeah make the guy look like an idiot because he is a fucking idiot i will say that we can kind of commend the movie for never putting us on his side yeah yeah the never the movie never attempts to make you go no it's good what he's doing yeah. <laughs> it's good that he's going crazy and being super paranoid well i mean it is good that he was paranoid because he 
did burn down churches. He was guilty of yeah, that. Yeah. But it's so, true. You never. I do appreciate that the movie was never like. Yeah. You're never sympathetic. But also, like, you're you're never entirely on Euronymous's side either. Well, that's the thing, yeah, too. I think that a lot of people, like, also less of the, like, more, like, kind of, like, white nationalist crowd feel about the negative qualities of the movie. I think, like, the other people that don't like this movie are people that, like, also see the flaws in Euronymous and, like, that the film does kind of make him a sympathetic character and... You know, like, I mean, Necro Butcher famously said, like, a few years ago, the, like, someone asked him in an interview, like, so, you know, what what were you doing or, like, what were you thinking around the time that, like, Varg traveled, you know, all the way from Bergen to Oslo to kill Euronymous? And he was like, I was on my way to kill Euronymous myself. <laughs> and uh, I, don't, I don't know if it was ever, like, you know, that was just him being, like, kind of jokey about it or whatever, but... Like, you- well, I think maybe it's because, like, if you're going to sympathize with Euronymous, it could just be that it comes from the fact that Varg is so much worse. Yeah. Yeah. So that in comparison, he seems like a sweetheart. Yeah. Even though he took a picture of his friend's blown off head. Yeah. Use it as his album cover. And he did burn down that church, at least the one that we saw him burn down in the movie. I'm sure yeah. there were more. Yeah. But, like, it's not like he was completely innocent. No, no, And he was just like, oh, I was only ever joking. It's like, no, you just didn't go full tilt. Like, you, you did a half measure, not a full measure. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's still by no means so, a, a good person if you're... I don't think he deserved to be murdered no, of course, because of, of that. Course but yeah, that... maybe just serve time for arson, but... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And maybe, like, maybe not be... Maybe if there's a law about <laughs> interfering with a crime scene... Probably. Sure. And like, yeah, maybe like the idea of being remembered as kind of like the hero of the band or something is a little, a little weird. Because... Well, it's, it's, a, it's like martyrdom, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So he was, uh, oh, he was killed. So he must have been the hero. Yeah, exactly. He must have been the one in the right. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, he was a, he was a shitty guy too. And I mean, you know, I, but that being said, it's, a, I think that's one of the reasons why the story and the band and the movie are, are all, pretty interesting to me because there are these like parts that kind of really challenge you know anybody to kind of think about like you know can we also credit part of that to rory culkin's face he has a very sympathetic <laughs> he face does. i think that's part yeah. of it he has the most out of all the three culkins yeah. he has the most like puppy dog looking he face especially does. in that waco miniseries i don't know if you ever watched that. i didn't but uh, I've, I've seen images of He's, it and yeah i definitely I get yeah that. that was like the first time i saw him in anything and I was like, there's a third one? <laughs> but yeah, he is a very, uh, yeah, he has a very puppy dog look face. Yeah, likable guy. And uh, yeah, I think like that definitely was intentional to try and make Euronymous a more likable guy in, in this movie. But yeah, I mean, I think that, um, you know, like for all the bad things that Euronymous was a part of and, you know, helped like manifest, he also did, you know, create basically a genre of music and played a very significant role in that in that upbringing of of that genre so well speaking of oppenheimer to, <laughs> since we kept using that as our metaphor that's kind it's of what that movie is about is yeah. is like yeah he was this guy that everyone looked up to and he accomplished things that no no one else on earth has but he built the fucking atom bomb yeah. like <laughs> it's like this is a terrible still, thing like yeah. that was the guilt he was dealing with the rest of his life was the fact that he actually did it mm-hmm. without concern for the long-term consequences yes for sure or if there were he was basically powerless to do anything about mm-hmm. it because he was you know totally part of the machine and i mean can't change the system without becoming <laughs> the system man until they kick you out 
It's it's almost even worse, like uh, in the case of Euronymous, because like Oppenheimer did a lot of stuff in the initially in the name of science and like you know quantum mechanics, but like most of Euronymous's like things that led to terrible events just was a byproduct of him trying to be cool. <laughs> so it's like yeah, it's ultimately much worse. I think like if you look at it on like that that level, because like you weren't even really doing it for anything really outside of just like your own cult of personality or something you know well he's a nihilist man he's nihilist except he's not yeah he's just he just talks yeah uh, he just talks yeah all right uh well one quick thing before we go into our final section mm-hmm. of this is i want to point out i don't think that the guy that played varg was well cast as in i didn't really buy that he was truly that evil mm-hmm. from the actor they cast to play the role emory cohen because the i don't remember the actor's name but emory cohen yeah. he's like He's like your buddy. Yeah, he seems like a little sidekick, yeah. Maybe that's like part of it. That's like, okay, they're going to take that angle of this actor and be like, okay, well, that's how they were able to become friendly with him and start their band was because he had such a trustworthy, you know, appearance. But first of all, why is everyone in this movie have an American accent? <laughs> well, they have an American accent with a slight Norwegian accent. Cause- but is that what people in Norway sound like? Or do they have full-on accents? Like, well, it's you would expect them to. It's sound. interesting because, like, you know, if you watch, because I'm sure English is a dominant language there. Yeah, I mean, like, they all speak English, like the people in that band, and and like, if you watch interviews with Varg or like Necro Butcher and stuff like that, like they do speak English, but they have this little, like, you know, this Scandinavian, like, little little accent that it's not. It's not as. Um, it's not like you know when you hear people like doing like a Swedish accent or something like a yodeler thing or something. It's not like, it's not like that. Like it's not that exaggerated. It's, it's more, you know, subtle, but I think that that's what they were going for. And that is like one of those things I, I often read about the movie when people are kind of talking about it is they're like, what, like what, what was that decision? Like either go like full, like Norwegian accent or like just stick with the American. But why is it like, american with this tiny little like norwegian thing going on i don't know i I just chalked it up to the fact that like they probably watched some interviews and they're like this is more or less what it sounds like like just do that well i think it's also just a general thing that movies and tv are starting to do like chernobyl Mm. where they're like we could have everyone try to do russian accents but the information is ultimately more important so just use a a generic enough accent that most people can understand what you're saying because that's more important than but anyway to get back to the actor that plays varg Mm. I, I'm not going to say he's a bad actor because, I mean, I certainly wasn't, like, distracted by that or anything, except for his laugh. <laughs> the laugh is awful. He has the worst laugh possible. And it's like, you expect a, a guy who's, like, cartoonishly evil, I'm burning down churches, mm. I'm a Satanist, I'm a black metal head, all, I'm a Nazi, mm. all this stuff. You would expect him, like, you need a really solid actor to play that multidimensional of a person. Mm especially when it comes to they're like he's like laughing his head off while they're burning down churches but he sounds like paul schrader <laughs> like doing his laugh on the letterman show where he's like <laughs> but no i'm doing it better than he did it was yeah. more like <laughs> and it sounded like so half-assed yeah it, it... It felt like slightly intentional, though, because like they were really. If it happened a few times, I wouldn't mind it. But it, co- it happens constantly during every church burning yeah. scene. There's like three of them. That's why it bothered me. Anyway, yeah, there there's like another scene towards the end where he's like laughing about something. Is I think or it may have been during the scene where the um 
the news reporters come over and they're like doing that that interview with him, which is just like a full odd like oh, yeah. slapstick comedy scene. But um, yeah, it was like I feel like they did really like ham up the the clowniness of uh, of Varg's character in this movie. Which I'm not, I'm not against, but I... Oh, yeah, it does kind of... It sounds like Joaquin Phoenix's Joker yeah. when he's doing, like, his maniacal laughing, but it's not like, <laughs> you know, cartoon Joker. It's like, if the Joker was a real guy, it would sound this weird and yeah. awkward. Yeah, So, I mean, like, yeah, I, I, get, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I feel like they might have done that intentionally, and... I didn't didn't well it just seems like the editor filled up empty noise <laughs> like where there wasn't dialogue or like they didn't want to highlight the Sigaross score too much right. with the laughter and it's just like if you're gonna do that at least get him to ADR some laughter that doesn't sound like he's completely forcing it it's like yeah. a laugh is something that the human brain can easily detect is that's fake true if it isn't real yeah. and it's a big part of his character. You want to at least get someone who can fucking sound convincing, mm-hmm. like, ha, 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 I'm burning down a church. I'm evil. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of, like, like I said, your buddy, like, that you would, you know, yeah. just meet, like, one day after school. It's it's just a bizarre choice. It is an interesting choice. So the final section, I kind of mentioned mm-hmm. it. We're, we got to talk about the music. Right. Because this is a movie about a band. Yes. So, we don't really hear too much mayhem music in this movie. There's like what three or four. There's like two songs and then one in the ending. There's the concert where they play yeah. a song. And then there's the studio. There's like two scenes in the studio. Although I guess one of those was a Burzum yeah. session. So even yeah. yeah, there's like maybe two or three there's, songs. There's three Mayhem songs. I'm pretty sure because there's the concert. There's the when they actually get around to recording. Uh, oh, and then they play one on the closing the credits, credits yeah, right? Yeah. yeah, but the rest of the score is done by. Cigaros. Yes. Am I Iceland. That right? I, I think so. I, I I can't be certain myself. I think it's Cigaros. Which is a very strange choice because their music is the complete, <laughs> the complete opposite, opposite. <laughs> of true Norwegian black metal. But I honestly didn't even know it was them uh, until I saw the credits because mm-hmm. I, I mean, maybe you pointed it out and I was like, oh yeah, when I finally saw their name mm-hmm. on the screen. But because it is such a traditional like movie score, nothing about it screams. This was composed by, you know, legendary mm-hmm. band Cigarose. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the inspection, how right. you know it's scored by Animal Collective, but then you watch the movie and you're like, oh, right. That was an Animal <laughs> Collective score, even though it was just a regular movie score that I know was done by these experimental guys. Yeah. So it was just, it, it makes more <laughs> sense when you do the research and you find out that the director at first was like, you know, trying to get permission from the bands mm-hmm. involved to use the music for the movie. But of course, people not exactly being jazzed about this story being a real movie. Yeah. They were like, no, we're not really going to, this isn't a priority for us to, uh, they, he was basically denied. And yeah. then like even Varg specifically said no to using the music. And I'm sure he tried to secure the Burzum rights for him too. Mm-hmm. But then he still used his connections to get the clearance anyway from probably the people that own the music, not just the artists themselves. Like, whoever yeah. the distributors and the label rights holders are. So maybe that was a, the fact that there are only two or three songs was like a compromise. Like, okay, fine, you can use songs <laughs> from Mayhem, but only if it's important to the plot and not just like in the background of a scene. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I, I'm cool with that. Like, I didn't, like, I... I guess, like, when I went into the movie, I was expecting there to be a lot more black metal music in a, in a movie about black, this, you know, infamous black metal band. True. But, like, 
Norwegian black metal. True Norwegian black metal. I, we keep course, saying yes, it like that because they, they make a point out of yes, saying that it exact is phrase like five or yeah, six times in yeah. the movie. It is different than regular black metal music. So, yes. And regular see, Norwegian black metal. Yes. Very So, distinct. to see a movie like this and not hear that kind of music was kind of weird, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, it's... I, 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 I'm really neither here nor there about the the score. It, it serves serves its purpose pretty pretty well. Yeah. There's no. It's just more of like a fun it. fact. You're like, oh, okay, that's weird yeah. that it was Sigaros. Kind of like in yeah. the way that you're like, oh, they built that model church out of scraps from the Blade Runner. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so. like, I feel like you know, having having an artist that's like you know, as as well admired as Sigaros, like it feels right knowing like Jonas Ackerlund. Like, I mean. Iceland is part of the whole Scandinavian belt thing in a way. And like, you know, he was a music video. I wouldn't be surprised if he's directed a Sigur Rose video before. And But what know. is the motivation for Sigur, other than money, for Sigur Rose to be like, yeah, we'll sign on to do this score about a black metal band of people We love the story of churches. mayhem. We yeah. love it. We'll just do this for or sure. Or is it just, and, oh, well, we're all Scandinavian, so, you know. They may have had, like, a pre-existing relationship with Jonas Ackerlund or something like that and been like, yeah, man, we love your work or whatever. Like, we'll, we'll work on this. So or it's something. more about the artist of the movie than the artists that it is about. I would be shocked to learn that the members of Sigur Rose, Jonesy and Co., are all fucking true Norwegian black metal fans. Well, maybe uh, they are not fans, <laughs> but you know, you have that. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I another part of the movie that I feel like they either they didn't have the chance to explore it or they didn't choose to is like how this stuff kind of influenced the Satanic Panic stuff in the United States. Like, I know mm -hmm. that black metal and and satanic stuff and all that wasn't just specific to scandinavia in the 80s mm -hmm. uh, and they even point out the fact that there's like an entire scene where he's got a map on the wall with with you know pins in it of locations yeah. of different countries where people are sending them their demos of their black metal music mm -hmm. so it makes sense that it's an international phenomenon but it's also like the movie makes it seems like it was just basically like this stuff was just happening in this region in this specific time and there's no like broader implications for the ideologies aligned with this genre like specifically the satanism so yeah it's maybe not the movie's job to explore that kind of stuff but like it does seem a little isolated when they're uh, all they're really showing us about the public's reaction to these crimes is just news footage yeah and really the only people we see reacting are the people that were involved or in the black circle friend group that's true. Yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting too because like you're absolutely right in the um the book, you know, like that this has taken the name from, it's like is a lot more in depth about kind of that more global reach of satanism and then like even, you know, w what this meant outside of just people trying to be cool in like a metal music scene in Norway and like, you know, that there was a lot of like these white nationalists and like these other like kind of people that like the ideology of the music was much deeper than just like, Oh, we want to make sinister music that people like will hate to listen to. Like there was a lot more of like almost like a cultish sort of thing behind it. But um, yeah, like I said, the movie is basically like a cinematic cliff notes of like, you know, we're going to get you up to speed on like the things you should know about the band mayhem, because these are the craziest parts about this band. Right, and that's which pretty is what much makes it. that first like twenty five minute chunk with Dead before he kills himself mm -hmm. feel so disconnected. Like by the time Christian shows up, you don't even realize that's going to be the rest of the movie. 
like the way that they've set it up so far is it's like yes it's centered on Euronymous and the the progression of the band but that character basically just comes out of left field if you don't know anything about the history of the band I didn't know Euronymous was murdered by him <laughs> till it happened in the movie I didn't look any of this shit up so yeah it's true like if you don't know about the band it's uh it would be pretty weird but but knowing about the band I would say like that they did I think the timing of certain things was was pretty well put together like there's like a scene where you know um I think Euronymous says this little like voiceover thing and he's like you know we're we've got like the best um like drummer in Norway playing for us now like we got this awesome bass player we have a vocalist that sounds like nobody else like like nothing could stop us and then it like just hard cuts to like Varg like combing his hair in the mirror and I was just like that's great because like that's the one thing oh but it also goes from like these dark and dingy like places that are all painted in black and then it goes to his like stark white like rich apartment yeah yeah his super white apartment yeah yeah so it's like it's a good contrast but it's also just a good like if you know about the story you're like oh the one thing that could stop Euronymous's trajectory is this guy because he's gonna kill him <laughs> and like well that's also another part of it like i talked about how they didn't get into like the characters backgrounds before all this stuff started at least in terms of varg like is there anything about mm-hmm. his upbringing like the fact that he's a rich or, or his parents are well off and can afford to pay for all this stuff like is that mm-hmm. influencing his ideology or his like anger at the world or something like yeah they don't bother with that no yeah figure it out on your own that's you know that's kind of the movies like it's those those cliff notes those like five or so bullet points that uh, everyone should know about this band and then it's kind of like now you're on your own go go and yeah that's what's interesting about this is that it feels like the kind of movie that would become a cult hit after the fact like years later but because the and maybe it Mm -hmm. will Maybe it'll stand the test of time and people will reevaluate it. But I think because the reaction of almost everyone that didn't make the movie uh, was negative, that maybe that won't happen. I don't I don't maybe there is just too mm. much of a like I, I don't know. You can say that about any movie that was like like Freddy Got Fingered is getting reappraised in the last five years. But that was like one of those like, <laughs> oh, it's one of the it's it's like the worst movie ever. Like, you know, it, it's when, when you list a number it's like a punchline, basically, yeah. when you talk about bad movies. So, but now it is its own weird, like mm-hmm. cult movies. So, does this have the capacity for that, or is its shortcomings too much to keep it from people, or is it just going to be like, you know, people that are into like gore porn being like, oh, well, this movie's a great example of it, therefore the whole movie is good, you know, <laughs> like the Snyder effect. Yeah, I, it could go either way. I think I think that this movie, I think where we're at right now with it serves as a very good gateway into learning more about this band. And I think for that alone, it's, it's pretty good because you know, like this, this shit happened ages ago, decades ago, right? Like this is like almost, I what, think it like starts 30, like 40, 40 years, years ago, ago from that this like stuff happened. Recording and, this, yeah. Yeah. So it's like now people are watching this and being like, Whoa, that's a fucked up story that I never knew about. And it's like, wow, like this is, you know, like you never heard about this band mayhem before. You never heard about this crazy story and like Kurt Cobain killing himself was the craziest rock and roll story you've ever heard in your life. So it's like, you know, I, I think just for the sake of maybe like getting a, a wider audience to to look into the story and to maybe be a bit more aware of like the band and um It's just a shame that it's not a better movie to support that 
to support that curiosity. Like, oh, there's <laughs> yeah, this great is. movie, <laughs> and now I can go and it's like it's like sure. eh, here's this uh, eh, six out of ten movie with a lot of faults and shortcomings and inaccuracies. Yeah. But you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, it's it's true, and I think like you know because like. For me, I, I mean, like, you know, when I watched the movie, like, I was already aware of, you know, sort of the, what happened with the band and stuff and, and their music. But I it was after the movie that I read the book and then, like, you know, you know went on to watch, like, the Pure Fucking Mayhem documentary and then kind of, like, check out some other supplemental materials and then read, like, the Necro Butcher uh, Death Archives book as well. So it's like, you know, I I had, like, the the grand picture painted to me but I wouldn't have had any of the materials to paint that picture had I not watched that movie first. So I think for that alone, I'd say it's, it kind of serves its function, but I also agree. It would have been great to see more of the, the things happening on the outskirts of just like Euronymous versus Varg. But you know, for, for what it is, it's, it's, it's sending all of the most fucking shocking and like, you know, the the highlighted notes of the mayhem story yeah. to mainstream audiences and that's that's basically what the movie is and it succeeds in that that's for sure but it's a horror and maybe movie. i would get more uh satisfaction <laughs> yeah. out of the, the not supplemental materials but the original materials that this borrows from and adapts mm-hmm. so yeah it's uh you know i think i started this podcast by wondering why you recommended this and i feel like i've basically discovered that answer through this discussion which <laughs> means we did a successful podcast episode, I think. That I mean, I don't love this movie, and I probably won't Yay. ever see it again, but I mean... Would you recommend it to somebody? Well, here's the problem. The only person I would recommend this movie to is you, and you're the one that recommended it to me, so the answer is not really... can't really be yes. There's no one else I know that would be like, oh, you gotta watch this. Like... And not even, I don't even know there's like a scene from this that I'd be like, well, if you at least just watch that one part, you know, like I, I did that with that new uh, Sam Esmail movie, Leave the World <laughs> Behind, where I told my dad, if you just watch the scene with the Teslas, you, you don't need right. to watch the rest of the movie. <laughs> and maybe we will talk about that. Killer someday, Teslas. Yeah, we did it. We did another episode. <laughs> we talked about, we talked for three hours. Uh, yeah, we did it. We did a we did an episode a month, and we finished out the year. We did, and who knows? Maybe we picked up some fans of true Norwegian black metal just from our discussion <laughs> of this and our criticism of the shortcomings of the Lords of Chaos. I mean, possibly. or we got and or Vampire Weekend fans, but probably not. Maybe you never know. There's this guy out there, an Animal Collective fan. I don't know his his real name i think i think he may have mentioned it or it's on his instagram or something my apologies if he's listening right now but he goes by the name ramp face on collected animals and this guy is into metal music and he's a hardcore animal collective fan well there's a difference between metal and true norwegian black this guy was sending me pictures from whatever state he's in in the states during the mayhem tour that happened like two months ago okay then (laughs) i stand corrected and i literally like messaged him and i was like you know i thought the crossover from like listening like people that are interested in in animal collective hardcore but then also go to mayhem concerts was basically just me 
but then turns out there's another right. person out there. So uh, Ramp Face, sorry, I don't remember your real name. If you're listening, I hope I hope uh, yeah I hope we did you proud here with uh, with our little metal discussion. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's gonna do it for us this month. We'll be back next month where. I will pick the movie and Jordan will pick the album. Mm -hmm. What that will end up being, it might be Clerks 3. We'll see. (laughs) But uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Adios, amigos. Peace out.